Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins, iniquities, and transgressions, and shortcomings, Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking that you can help this group to reach its full potential in you. Let us be so much stronger spiritually, Lord, mentally, physically, emotionally, Lord, in all things. Lord, I'm asking that with everything that we do, that we point everyone back to you. When we win souls, Lord, we want people to know that it is you that, are, that is responsible for it all. Lord, I'm asking that you bless this group, Lord, Sarah, Martin, Laura, Mikkel, Andrew, Lord, Sue, uh, Dan, Tracy, Karen. Lord, those that are with us, Lord, and those that we haven't seen in a while, keep them and bless them, Lord, in perfect peace. Let the body of Christ, Lord, come together as a whole and do the things that they need to do when you separate. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless our families, Lord, that they may stay strong. I ask, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, spirit of error, spirit of contention, spirit of confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice, Lord, uh, resentment, all things, Lord, that have nothing to do with your spirit. Let them be bound today. Open the eyes, Lord, and the ears that we may hear your word, not just listen, but let it be nourishment unto our spirits and our flesh. Lord, I'm asking that you just take care of things. Lord, help this ministry to grow. We're so thankful for the ones that we have now going to come on Sundays. Lord, we're thankful for the ones that been through us, that been with us through it all, that you have kept us in good health and perfect peace. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm asking, Lord, that you complete us every day, changing us into your image of your son, Jesus Christ. God, do it for your honor. Do it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So tonight's study is going to be called, You Shall Receive Tribulation, but Be of Good Cheer. Um, we're going to go through First and Second Thessalonians. You know, there's a lot there that... Um, you know, I read, and it's just so funny how with all that these disciples went through, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, you know, that they were just of such good cheer moving forward towards the goal, doing the things that the Lord told them to do. And I mean, you know, that's something that only the Holy Ghost can give you. So, you know, I think that we should examine that because it'll be a pretty good read. But right now I want to start in um, John 16. John 16, and we'll begin at verse 26. Wow, Laura's already there. No. <laughs> I'm looking at the sheets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know it's not a real popular subject, but I think it's awesome when no matter what, you have that peace in the Lord. There's things that the Holy Ghost gives you 
that the flesh can't. You know, the flesh makes you happy. You know, that's what's in your soul. But your but your spirit, you know, gives you joy. You know, your flesh can give you or your soul can give you calm. But your spirit can give you peace. And you can have peace in the midst of war. Everything can be wild going on around you. But there's something about in the spirit when it gives you peace. I mean, you're just centered and, and uh, grounded like a rock, you know, immovable, you know, in peace, understanding where you are and what the Lord wants us to do. So I just think that's interesting and something that we should probably practice because if he's got the reins to it all, you know, then there's nothing to really worry about. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. We'll start at... Uh, Verse 25, John 16 and 25, and it says, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall shew you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you, that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, uh, because ye have loved me. And that be, and that believed, I mean, and and have believed that I come out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now come that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I wanted to start with that because, you know, Jesus is telling them when they said, oh, we believe. And Jesus said, wait a minute, you believe? Well, I'm going to tell you of another time when things may get pretty rough. In some ways he was asking, would you still believe? You know, would you still have that faith if, you know, right now you're seeing all the good things I'm telling you and I'm here. But when I go, you know, what are you going to do then? He, Jesus said, I'm alone. I know you guys are going to leave me, but I'm not alone because I'm with the Father. So we all have to have that mindset, no matter what our problems are, or what we're going through, the Lord is with you. And I think that as much as Christians would like to believe that we are, you know, we believe very few of us even understand that the Father and the Son are very much alive and sitting on their throne and watching everything that's going on. They are real. They're alive. You can talk to them. Yep. But these are things that some people just can't fathom because it's like, well, I'm going to say this magic formula and something should happen. No, they are real people that you can speak to. Right. You know, they're as live today as they were then. You know, so... I just thought that that was interesting and we should start with that. Now we can go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 1. Well, that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just teasing you. I think, though, I mean, 
it's just really important that everyone have an understanding because we can't become complacent. You know, even if we're striving, even if we're trying to move forward in the Lord, you know, there are times that we can still become complacent until you see something on the news and then it's like, oh man, you know, no, this is real. I gotta keep going because if we get complacent then the enemy can Use that against us. And I think that's why when the Lord says perfect love cast out fear, Mm -hmm. I believe that because I think the more love that you have of the Lord that emanates, that that flows through you, you're not worried about you. You're worried about those souls out there. You're worried about, you know, your family or those that you haven't gotten to. You know, so it's almost like I'm not worried about this. The more I love the Lord, the more the Lord loves, you know, I realize his love for me, then you know that this isn't your only existence. It doesn't stop here. And I think the more real that becomes, the less fear you have to do the Lord's will exactly. or worry about the world, you know? All right. First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Savanus, uh, that's Paul and Silas, and Timotheus, which is Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, all all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and uh, our Father. Interesting point here. Um, In verse 3, it talks about remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Now, it's interesting he brought that up because this puts together Ephesians 2.8, and it puts together James talking about faith without works is dead. He said your work of faith. So you have the faith, and, you know, the works are going to come from the faith. You're not earning salvation. You're not earning anything else. But he called it work of faith, and then he says, and labor of love. I thought love was just supposed to be, you know, just a feeling. But, you know, love is what makes you labor, too, for others. How a mother labors for her children, a father for his family, you know. Mm -hmm. It's that labor of love is the type of love that we have from the Lord that we're supposed to be, you know, doing his will. Uh, And patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in the sight of God, our Father. So he's saying patience of hope. Things are going to be a little dim, but you have to recognize that you know as a Christian that there is a bright side to this, a very bright side. Uh, Verse 4, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. you got to know that you're called of God. 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men uh, we were among you for your sake. So he's bringing up again what he said in uh, Corinthians, not only in words, you know, like teachings, but also in power. Mm -hmm. You know, that shows people that you are um, sent from God. When you have this supernatural power to heal, you know, or cast out devils or do things, you know, you're sent of the Lord to do this type of stuff. So it's like the assurance to know. This person's following the Lord. So I feel safe in everything that they're saying. Not only have they told me, and I can read it for myself, but they've shown me. So you know that the Lord is in this. And, and, that, and a real person that does that stuff 
will always point you back to Jesus Christ. It is never about you or what you're doing. They'll always point you back, well, it's the Lord who's done this. I'm just a vessel that he's doing it through. Right. Okay? Yep. Um, let's see, verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, this sounds kind of funny. They received the word in much affliction, like tribulation, that they had to go through to deliver to the Thessalonians. But then he says, with joy of the Holy Ghost. So, again, it's kind of like that peace that we're talking about in the midst of war. The whole world may turn on you. People may act funny towards you. But you have great joy. Why? Because Jesus, one, told us these things would happen. Two, we're delivering souls. We're doing the will of the Lord. So there's a joy that you're going to have from this. You know, everything isn't supposed to just look good and be good and feel good. There are things that, are, that aren't going to feel so good. But guess what? You know who you're working for. Right. Because, you know, and we have to know this as Christians. Because when it comes a time when everybody thinks we're crazy, like our Lord mentioned before about having our loins girded up with truth. Because everyone's going to look at you like you're some kind of nut. You know, no one's going to understand what you're talking about. Not in the future. And it's like, what is this? This is old. Uh, verse 7, so that ye were in samples, I guess examples, uh, to all that believe in Macedonia and Ikea. Um, for, from, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Ikea, and Ikea, Ikea, I guess, but also in every place your faith uh, to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. When your faith spreads, when real faith of the Lord spreads, I mean, it's going to catch like wildfire. You know, others are going to feed off of it. You know, this thing is going to be so big. And this is why even in the Roman times when, or like during the times of the Catholic Church, when they were persecuting Christians, Christians were, you know, catching fire and still believing. It was like a fire they couldn't put out no matter what they did because the faith was spreading abroad. Okay, um spread abroad so that you need not uh, to speak anything. We need not to speak anything. For they themselves shew us what manner of entering in, in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, uh, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So, you know, our seats are already reserved, not for the rapture, but for our place in heaven, to be with the Lord. Anybody want to add anything or say anything? If not, we can go to chapter 2. That's a good point about the, the seat. Oh, yeah, reserved? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what he means by making your calling and your election sure. You know, it's reserved. All you got to do is show up. Yeah. <laughs> All you got to do is get dressed and wear your garment of righteousness. All right, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that was not, uh, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. So this is what they suffered. As ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel uh, of God with much contention. So, you know, when the gospel of God is coming out, the real gospel, 
man, people aren't going to want, you're going to hear people that don't want to deal with this. They're going to get some pushback. Uh, verse 3, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which tries, with, with, which trieth our hearts. So again, the gospel is not to please men. The Lord is a rock of affliction. The word itself will offend worldly people. That's just the way it is. We have to come to that reality. Everyone's not going to receive this. The majority of people won't. But the point is, is that you're not doing it for their sake. You're doing it for the Lord, what the Lord tells you to do. So sometimes you have to be bold. And this is what Paul was saying he, Timothy, and Silas were. This was not well received. Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> so I have a story to that. Okay. Because when we became not Jehovah's Witnesses anymore, mm -hmm. we thought, oh, now it's going to be easy. Because now we're like everybody else. Because mm -hmm. they already knew Jesus. Or right. so we thought. Right. So when I went to the church and I would talk to people thinking, you have Jesus, they didn't receive it well. And I was at a church, you know, and they didn't <laughs> okay. not receive it. They just <laughs> didn't enjoy it. Right. They didn't get enthused about it. There's, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. push me off. Yeah. And I'm like, but, but you have Jesus, and this is the awesome, and this is so exciting. And they're just kind of like, meh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that just, you know, it says a lot, too, what Laura's saying about people that won't receive it. You would think Jesus is in the church, you would but think. those people are religious. They, oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, we know. Right now, we're at the pastor's appreciation dinner. Please don't interrupt. Yeah. You know, but that's the that's the reality with some people. But it's, it's so true how, um, and you coming out of that organization, you understood what it was to be trapped into. See, so you were more into the truth than the people that you were surrounded by that you were telling everything the lord really got to you you were really born again those people weren't so this is why they're looking at you like i don't know if you notice or not but we don't care Why? <laughs> you know? yeah like yeah yeah jesus i read about him somewhere you know that sort of thing it's it was true. a really weird feeling because mm -hmm. you thought everyone should be as excited as you only to yeah. find out the devil's in the church too Right. Worldly people are in the church. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's a hard uh, thing to swallow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you left there. It's not the same one you still got. <laughs> yeah, I left that <laughs> one. <laughs> no, verse 5. For neither at any time used we uh, flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, uh, God is witness. So, you know, it's interesting here how not even greedy, you know, but then again, no flattering words. So they're bringing the straight-cut gospel. Hey, this is what's going on. And, you know, everyone wants to talk love, but love void of truth is evil. Mm -hmm. if, if I know something and I'm not telling you about it, I can tell you I love you all day. If it's not for your well-being, then how can I say I love you? You know, how can two people shacking up, fornicating together, tell their partner I love you, and you're sending them to hell? You know, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. I know that people make, you know, they have their faults. But real love is selfless. Real love is giving. You know, I'm like even for parents, I know that this isn't what you want, but I love you enough to make sure that you don't end up, you know, on the on the wrong side of things. 
So love void of truth is, you know, it's a big, it's, it's hate. You know, I'm just trying to make you feel good now, not for your sake, but for me. See, it's about me now. I care what you think of me, so I'm not going to say it. That's how much I love you. Now, look how twisted that is. I love you enough that I can keep my reputation intact, but I'm not telling you the truth. I mean, it's it's bizarre. I mean, does that make sense? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. On how much it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of so-called pastors out there doing exactly that. Yeah, I love you. Jesus said, I love the sheep, and I lay down my life for them. You know, God's display of love is always selflessness. It's always giving. (laughs) It's always sacrifice. It's never just, you know, giving you, you know, patting your head. I mean, of course the Lord would do that with us, comfort us. That's what the Holy Ghost does, but... The Holy Ghost doesn't do it void of truth. Right. The Holy Ghost is not going to forsake Jesus Christ or the speaking of Jesus Christ to, to appease you. You know, in that case, it's like we need to know the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, six. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet um, of others, when we might have been burdensome, burdensome as the apostles of Christ. So, you know, he's. Pretty much, you know, we're annoying, we're heavy, we weigh on people. We want people to come to the truth. Now, some people would think that that's wrong. Just leave them be. But, you know, a real Christian, if they love you, man, they stay on you like like a child, like a parent. Hey, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to see the truth. Seven, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith, cherisheth uh, her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. So you know what that means. They're talking about even if they had to lose their lives, that that was necessary in bringing forth the truth. Not just with the gospel, but with their own souls. Like in other words, hey, I'm putting myself on the line to bring you the truth because I love you that much. And I think the only time you the only time you can really have that kind of love is if you know there's a place for you in heaven. If that's your reality, then you know none of this matters. Right. But if there's things you still want to hang on to, like, man, I gotta graduate college, so I can't deliver the gospel, you know, right now. There's nothing wrong with college, of course, but there's a place reserved for you. But we put so much stock in this life right. that it's like, man, the other life, the, the you know, living again is just so irrelevant. Man, I gotta do everything here first, you know. And this is not the reality that we should be focused on. Uh, nine, for ye remember, brethren, uh, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. They're not gonna have any charge to their name. They they came to do the job, to do the job completely. They're not going to have a charge that they were slack, that they didn't care, that they tried to get money out of you, that they tried to do this. Their whole goal behind it was to not be charged, you know, to do the will of the God, you know, of God, the gospel of God. Ten, ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily uh, and justly and unblameably, unblameably, uh, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. 
So, you know, they didn't have any scars to their records. They were true blue. You know, if anyone would have asked about them, you would have probably heard the truth in them. Yeah, we may not like them, but they do this, 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 and this. So that, you know, the world can't blame you. 11, as ye know how uh, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So, you know, he's bringing forth their correction. Now, a lot of people think this is wrong. Hold where you are. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 58. For the non-judging crowd, we don't condemn. You know, the Bible is against hypocritical judgment. But when it comes to bringing forth the truth, you bring the truth. Isaiah 58, we'll start at the first verse. Isaiah, Isaiah 58, verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and shew my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance uh, of their God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. So, you know, the thing here is, we can go back, but that's clearly speaking of pointing out what's wrong. This is what the Lord wants us to do. No matter what it makes you feel like inside, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Then how does the truth get out? All of truth is confrontational. If we're worried about hurting feelings, there's nothing wrong with telling the truth and then consoling a person. Are you okay? Look, it's not personal. I'm just telling you what's what. But if we can't get past our souls and our feelings to tell people the truth, then how do you do the will of God? Because you're going to offend people. That's just the way it is. You know, and some of that offense may bring forth some truth. You know, a person may need to look a little deeper. Are they right or are they wrong? You know, and there's nothing wrong with caring for people. That's what we should do. So this is what Paul's talking about here in 11. Charged every one of you as a father doth his children. You know, you care for them, you're going to bring correction. It's just, um, just like in Hebrews 12, where it says, you know... Um, if you be without chastisement. Right, like it, yeah. you know, the Lord was saying, you know, uh, who the, love, the Lord loveth that he chastises because, you know, um, it helps us in our walk. And it's like, you know, a parent does not, a good parent anyways, will not let their children go without... Correction. Correction. Absolutely. Because if they don't correct them, then they grow up and be, you know, Rebellious, kids. right. <laughs> you can always tell the kids that came out of that. Yeah. You'd be surprised. There are some good kids that go bad. But for the most part, when you're on your children, they may hate you growing up, but they learn to love you and, and have that respect for everything that you've done. Mm -hmm. They may not realize it at the time because you're always on their case, you know, but they come to the truth. I understand why the Lord did everything to me. I needed it. I mean, he had to really put a beating on me. I was just so, <laughs> so thick-headed, you know, would not listen. Will grow your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, talking about you. Uh, did you ever see her haircut before she, uh, no. I think Martin saw a picture. Yeah. She was like Mo from the Three Stooges. <laughs> Military cut. <coughs> All right. Did you put a bowl on <laughs> Almost, right? 
that you was GR Jane for real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Second <laughs> Thessalonians two verse thirteen. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as in the truth, but as it is in truth. <laughs> the word of God is effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know, when you run into people like this, it's so easy to help because they recognize, okay, you're telling me the truth. How do I get started? It's rare when you run into people like this that they hear it, they take it as God's word, and they're like, okay, what do I do about this? Mm -hmm. Then to have someone, oh, man, I don't believe that. You have your truth, and I've got mine. It's hard to get to those people. But, you know, the church of Thessalonica, they, you know, heard it, and they believed. Yeah. The ones that you can reach like that are lukewarm. You heat them back up. Mm -hmm. Good point. <laughs> You know, you got something to work with. I mean, and, and the Lord can work anyone out of any situation, but you're right. It's like they just seem so willing. Like my friend Cammie, I remember when I first started talking to her about the Lord, you know, she was with her boyfriend and everything, and she said, um, I'm going to get married. And I was like, why? She said that two days later, a few days later, and I'm like, why are you going to get married? She said, because I don't want to go to hell. And, you know, it was like that was so honest, a statement, you know, that it was like, man, if everyone saw it that way, there'd be no problems in this world. Right. But you got the unbelieving, the natural minds that won't receive it. And she had never known anything about the God of the Bible before. But that was her real statement. Now she, you know, her and her you know, husband, they go to church and, you know, they're seeking the Lord. When she gets time, she'll come on a Sunday or whatever. But, you know, it's just how some people can just... If you're so open to it, you can receive it. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Does this make sense? That's all I'm saying. But some people won't even go there. Right. It's, so is that a, a demon that came through television that gives people those giant blocks? That's why they're blockheads. <laughs> I believe it. I think so. I think, like, I know that there are subliminal, um, what do they call it, infrasonic messages um, that come through TV that you you can't hear, but you pick it up subconsciously. And, you know, uh, Steve Quell talks about that, and it says things like resistance is futile, you know, don't resist and obey and all other kinds of stuff. Did you guys ever see that movie, They Live? Yep. Yeah. Okay, because that movie brings up, that was probably the most important movie ever made. Yeah. And that's why they gave it a corny actor to put in it so no one would watch it. But there was so much truth. Remember when he was trying to get the guy to put on the glasses? Yeah. And the guy just fought him. And he said, just look. And the guy was, nah, man, you can keep your glasses. He had to beat this guy down just to put them on for him to see. I thought that was awesome. But, yeah, I have it in the back. I was going to lend it to you guys if you'd never seen it. But, it, yeah, it brings forth so much truth. Yeah. And they always said, another one that can see. That was the one that they would go after. Yep. Yeah, that was before The Matrix. I bet you The Matrix copied that. <laughs> that movie, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, where are we, 14? Mm -hmm. Okay. For ye, brethren, uh, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things in your own country, or in, of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So, you know, Thessalonica was a suffering um, church. 
They had gone through things that, you know, Jesus Christ had gone through. This was a real church. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they needed correction with things, but they were a church that was willing to go forward and learn the truth. Right. You know, um, let's see. Uh, 15. Who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men. So, you know, Jesus always said, which of the prophets have your fathers not killed? Who was he speaking to? The Jews, the religious crowd. The religious people can't stand real Christians. Mm -hmm. That's why when you went into a church and you talked about Jesus, man, look, hey, there's no Jesus celebration here. <laughs> we get together because we like being together. It's got nothing to do with Jesus. Right. So this is why I'm telling you, religious thinking people hate Jesus Christ. They hate what he stands for. That's why if you bring forth the truth in Christ, people will look at you like, look, man, you're a little too serious about this Jesus thing. You know, this is only for Sundays. You don't need to talk about this during the week. And they actually will put them in a, you know, lump them up in a uh, little box. Mm -hmm. uh, 16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might have saved, that they might be saved to fill up their sins always. Uh, for the wrath has come upon them uh, to the uttermost. Uh, see, so I mean, it's like even for those people, you know, you try and bring the truth to the Gentiles. Unbelieving people, you'd be surprised how many church people. Remember that incident? Uh, Sarah was trying to get to a guy that we worked with. Oh, yeah. And um, he was an atheist straight out. I remember when we first spoke to him, he said that he didn't want to... Um, he was like, man, I don't believe in the Bible. I'm not interested in any of that. So Sarah said to him, um, you know, hey, why don't you watch this video and just tell me what you think? Because this guy was, he knew about the world stuff, but he didn't understand how it relates to the Bible. Well, Sarah had him watch. You guys have seen that Age of Deceit video with uh, Gonzo Shimura. So she wanted him to look at some of this stuff. We've seen parts of it. Yeah, so she turned it on. I mean, well, he turned it on, started watching it. A guy that told us from day one he was a Christian. He couldn't wait to come in flooding, telling everybody, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm this kind of guy, that guy. Okay, so the atheist is sitting here watching this video, and the, the believer, so-called, said, man, turn that off. I'm not into that. You know, so the guy felt kind of bad and turned it off. But this is the believer. This is the Christian. You know, the so-called Christian, but he's saying turn it off. Why? Because it affects his religious mind. Never mind bringing you to the truth. I don't want you to have the truth because it scares me. Right. <laughs> it goes against my church principles. Like how people won't read Revelation. It's scary. Exactly. And like, <laughs> what is it doing in the book then? You know, right. it's just like, like grow up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 17. Uh, but we, brethren, being taken from you, for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor uh, the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And we know plenty about that. Mm -hmm. For what is our hope or joy or crown, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So, you know, he's kind of like letting them know, like, hey, isn't this why we do what we do? Right. Aren't you in his presence? Isn't this what we're expecting? And uh, for ye are all, 
I mean, for ye are our glory and joy. So, you know, it's like take, looking after your children, trying to bring them to correction till the day of the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter three verse one. Wherefore, when we sh when we could no longer forbear, we thought that we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, uh, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Isn't that an interesting fellow laborer? Paul is looking at this thing as a type of labor. We're laboring to do the truth. I mean, to do the work of God. Mm -hmm. So that means it's not going to be easy. You're tarrying. You know, you're, you're pushing. You're constantly trying to break through or, you know, you're going to face opposition. Satan hindered them. They kept going forward. Verse 3, that no man should be moved uh, by these afflictions. For yourselves know that, ye, that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. You know, he's letting them know. Same thing Jesus said. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the, temper, or the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. So he's looking after those that he brought into the truth, you know, the tempter's always working, just like we read in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. They were all taken apart by different things, but there was one who heard, who understood, who believed, and kept going forward. And that's what it's all about. If you don't, you labor in vain. You know, so this is why they're working hard, because they believe in the resurrection of Christ. Six, but now when Timotheus uh, came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Brotherly love. <laughs> uh, verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Uh, for now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord, so, you know, you live to live again. Isn't it funny how he says in 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distressed by your faith. So, you know, they're laboring and, you know, they've suffered tribulation to bring forth the truth, to get these people to believe. Mm -hmm. And it says, For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. What does he mean live? He's not talking about this life, keeping your faith. You know, standing, you know, being steadfast, doing what the Lord calls you to do. Right. Keeping your eyes focused towards the goal. Verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Now, Paul's joying and joying, the joy in this and that. And you're like, well, where's the joy if there's tribulation? But this is the, this is the love that he has for the Lord, you know, um, um, coming through him, you know, to distribute to others. That's bigger than himself. Not, uh, Ten, right? Yes. Okay. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I mean, that's good. You know, that's what you want. That This is why we correct one another and we talk to one another. It's all about, you know, trying to perfect our faith. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we do wrong. I do wrong things. Sarah tells me. Ryan tells me. You know, and it's just like we go around. You know, and we correct one another, and that's okay. Uh, Eleven. Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you that to increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Uh, to the end, he may establish, well, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So he's telling you there, you know, without correction, we won't be unblameable and holy. These things are necessary. But, in, you know, there's a lot of Christians today, we are so thin-skinned, like we just can't take correction. If you tell someone, hey, you know, we need to cut this out, we need to focus on this, you know what they'll say to you? Oh, so what are you saying? I'm no good? Oh, you're saying I'm going to hell? Like, no one even said that. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about correction. And, no, I, I get what you're telling me. I'm no good. You're holier than thou. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. We're talking about the scriptures. This applies to us all. But some people are so hurt by the gospel and remember what Jesus said in the parable of the sower for the guy who, um, you know, he received it with joy. But when it got rough, they were offended of the real gospel. Right. Why? They were in it for fun. They weren't in it for correction. They weren't in it to go the long haul. It seemed like a good idea at the time until you brought this stuff up. <laughs> you know, so that's what happens to people. All right. First uh, Thessalonians 4 verse 1. Furthermore... Uh, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that ye, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, uh, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That's a big word. Everybody knows fornication means a lot of things. It means, you know, also messing around with other idols, idolatry, but it also means all type of illicit sexual activity. So it can be several things. It can mean, you know, homosexuality, bestiality, uh, forn uh, adultery, you know, it could be a whole bunch of things. So it's just really like illicit sexual activity, you know, unlawful activities. Uh, verse 4. That's where they get the word pornea from, you know, is from uh, the word fornication. That's the Greek word for that. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Sanctification is a process a lot of people don't want to go through, but we must. That's a part of the correction. The areas that we yield to the Holy Ghost, he takes over more space. He can control your tongue now because you're not cursing anymore. OK, I've got that. You know, he's got your Bible reading time and you're forsaking other things. Okay, I got control over that. You're not, you don't have an appetite for certain things anymore because the Holy Ghost is just taking up space. That's all a part of sanctification. But when you say that to some people, well, didn't God do it all? I'm like, so you don't want to do anything, huh? You don't want to yield to the Holy Ghost. You just want a ticket and you just want to move in. And I mean, it's like, let him take control of the wheel. Let him dictate what you do in your life. You'll become, you know, all he does is shape you to the image of Christ. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, they just want a free run. 
But um, did you guys ever listen to the Potter's Hand teaching that Martin put out? No, no, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good one that we, um, it talks a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a good one, I think. I mean, I ain't going to, of course, yeah, I did it, so it's good. No, I mean, it's like I'm just. spoke to you. Right, because when I heard it today, I was like, wow. You know, and, and a lot of the times I'll hear it for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's how I know it's not me. Yeah. Five. Uh, not in the lust of concupiscence, um, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. You know, that's kind of like, um, concupiscence is kind of like. um kind of like uh, desiring, like heavy desiring for things that aren't lawful. That's what concupiscence is. It's like lustful desires. Yep, so that's that little guy with the arrows going around shooting. Oh, yeah. Cupid himself was um, is uh, Tammuz. That's wow. his name in, I think, Rome or Greece or one of those. Because I think it is uh, Dionysus, Venus, and Cupid. Cupid is the, you know, so it's kind of like Nimrod all over again. Tammuz. All those other names, Horus, yeah, but that could make some sense. Yeah. I mean, with how it's spelled and everything, yeah. Yeah. All right, verse 6, uh, that no man uh, go beyond and defraud his brother at any matter, in any matter, because the Lord, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified, Again, you know, we sit here and think about how the Lord himself is um, alive. Just the fact that he's on the throne. I mean, as a Christian, that ought to give you a sense of awareness like, hey, I can't even get away with this. He's watching me prime time all day, every day. And even if he's looking at something else, you know, there's an angel sitting down writing everything you did. I mean, there's no getting around it. So, see, the more real God is, the more you know. Hey, I better go and apologize for what I said because this ain't going to sit well with the Father. You know, so that's when your mind really starts to transcend time and space. Right. You start seeking the Lord for real. Um, oh, I meant uh, seven. Uh, for God hath called us unto uncleanness, hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, uh, we need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And then he said, taught of God. What did Jesus say? Love one another. He's calling Jesus God here pretty much. Mm -hmm. You know, taught of God to love one another. Verse 10. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. See, we're always supposed to be progressing. Uh, 11, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. So the Lord wants complete vessels eventually. He wants us in that holy place where it's us, in him. You know, when we're really sanctified unto God and we're really into doing the work of the Lord, you know what you see is not, you know, a ministry or, you know, large groups. What you see is there's seven point billion, two billion people unsaved and I got to get on the job. You really start to see it that way where it's you and the Lord and you're like, you know, 
I'm just going to get them. I'm going to get as many as I can, you know, and it's kind of like I'm not looking for Paul or Timothy. I'm going to get out there and do it. But make sure we called because you want to be, you want your obedience in the Lord to be fulfilled so you can have that fulfilling of the Holy Ghost to go out and do the work. So I'm not just telling people go. I'm saying, you know, be called to go. Let the Lord lead you to going. When you got to that point, you'll know it because the Holy Ghost is just going to make you. He's going, hey, let's go. You know, let's get to it. Well, I feel like it kind of alerts you when you're around certain people. Absolutely. It's just, say this. Mm -hmm. It just kind of happens. Oh, yeah. There are ways to do it. The Lord sets up those scenarios all the time. So, you know, it's true. You don't have to just run out and just tell everyone. Sometimes the Lord will put someone there. I'm like, okay. And, and we have to remember, too, that it's not about just winning every soul. Sometimes it's a witness against the person that doesn't want to hear. So if we're talking it, don't feel like you failed because they got mad and walked away. You're doing the Lord's will. They walked away. That's another witness against them. That's so one day no one will ever say to God, you know, I would have come if you would have welcomed me. Say, wait a minute. What about the 80,000 people I sent to you for the truth and you ignored me? And he's going to have it on tape. All right. Everybody's going to see it. You know, he's going to have it all written down. Trying to bring somebody out of evolution, and you give them a DVD. You gonna sit there and say, "Look, isn't that what you watching that <laughs> creationist DVD right there?" Oh yeah, he's <laughs> gonna get on you. I mean, yeah, you can't blame God. He'll point you back to everyone you ignore. Right. Oh, and you curse this one. Remember this one here, the old lady tried to tell you. I mean, there'll be no excuses for us. Well, it's like planting seeds, though. I mean, you can, you can plant the wrong seed, too. That's you right. Know, you can throw the, the wrong seed into the fertile soil, you mm -hmm. know? That's right. <laughs> and that's why we've got to be led by the Spirit. I agree with Laura, what she said. Because if you don't know what to say, you can turn that person off using your own effort, your own strength. So I agree that the Holy Ghost is supposed to lead in what's being said. Well, I re just remember this story, and I, it's not going to take very long. I hope not. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Several months ago, um, I think I was at the gym or something, and on the news broadcast, this old woman had been held at gunpoint in her car at a Walmart. And the guy gets in their car, and he says, no, you, I want you to give me your car. And she says, I'm not going to give you my car. And he says, well, if you don't give me your car, I'm going to shoot you. She said, go ahead and shoot me. I don't care. And he's like, you don't care? And she's like, no. And she's like, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm ready to go. So go ahead and pull the trigger. And that right there, like, stopped him in his tracks. Yeah, because he was dealing with otherworldly, <laughs> an otherworldly being, someone whose mind wasn't even here. Right. That can frighten someone. Henry Groove has a few testimonies about that. When those, um, he was in Afghanistan, and I think, like, he was stumbling. He went into enemy territory, didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And he went into a cave to pray. Next thing you know, <laughs> he was surrounded by a bunch of Afghan soldiers. And they were like, you know, they pulled out some pliers. He said, these big silver pliers. And they said, we're going to pull your skin off with these. And Henry just, you know, he began to pray. And he just started smiling. And he said, Lord, if this is going to be my end, he said, then, Lord, let them see the truth in you that they may come to you. He didn't say, Lord, strike them dead. I rebuke you. He said, Lord, if, you're gonna, if this is going to be the end, just, you know, let them see the truth in you and come to you. He said, next thing you know, he heard something like keys, like jingling. He looks up, and they're running out of the cave as fast as they could. 
And he said he didn't know why, but it could have been an angel of the Lord there. You know, like, okay, which one of you was first? So, you know, an angel showed up or whatever, and they ran out. So that just tells you we have to have that faith. But some of us don't hold long enough to see what the Lord will do. We'll just, oh, this is getting a little rough. I'll get out of here. You know, sometimes you may have to stand in your faith, and the Lord is just waiting for you to have that kind of faith so he can just go forward and show the world that he's for real. But he needs a vessel, you know? He ain't gonna just scare people for nothing. No. You know, I mean you gotta you gotta stand on those words of faith. Exactly. Wouldn't uh, it be fun to find out if any of those are following Christ now? <laughs> it would. Oh, I yeah. wish I would know that, yeah. yeah. Some of them probably said, Hey, you don't want to mess with his God. <laughs> you know. Uh what is it? Uh thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ uh, and rose again, I mean died and rose again, even so them which are asleep in Christ, in Jesus, uh, will God bring with him. Now this is tough too because a lot of people say, oh, well, you're asleep and you're in heaven. You got a lot of pastors putting people in funerals in heaven. I mean, you know, at funerals, oh, this person went to heaven, they're in a better place now. Man, if they didn't go to sleep in Jesus, chances are they're not. And and I mean, I think that, I know that sounds harsh, but people need to know the truth so they can take this life seriously. Because everybody thinks, I had a few people, um, one girl that I know at, at work, she said, oh, I can't wait to, um, she, she makes a joke of being an atheist. You know, she said, oh, well, well, if I messed up, I messed up. But at least I'll be in hell with my buddies, you know, having brewskis or whatever. And I'm like, the only thing that you're going to see are going to be the demons that are going to torment you, you know, and mock you for not believing in Jesus Christ. And when I got through telling her about hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and, you know, you won't be able to sleep day or night. You know, you could see her mind kind of zone out, you know, kind of like... Yeah, do I really want to go there? Because that don't sound like a place that I want to be in. But people take it for a joke. Like, they watch these cartoons and these movies, and they'll say, well, you know, yeah, you got the people standing up in robes in heaven, you know, with the clouds playing the harp. And then you got people down there like, oh, I guess I didn't make it. It's going to be nothing like that. You know, it's going to be your worst nightmare if you don't believe. But people need to learn the truth. I'll tell you what, that would cut down suicide big time. I mean, if you knew that if you took the gift that the Lord gave you and just threw it away, not wanting to know him, and you knew where you were going next, trust me, it would be better to suffer here and know who Jesus Christ is. There's a lot of pastors, too, when people who say that they're Christians commit suicide, they say, oh, they're in a better place. Suicide is still murder. Do you know that there's a pastor? My sister told me she lives in... um, Rock Hill, South Carolina, she told me, and I told her to get out of that church immediately, but she told me that her pastor told her in a Bible study that the Lord will forgive you if you kill yourself. I said, you you have got what? to be kidding. Yeah. She said the Lord, uh, that, that that's what they told her. And my sister stood on the truth. No, you know, you can't do that. You will go to hell. And then, no. The Lord will forgive you if you know that, if he knows that you're afraid and you can't handle something. I told her, don't even argue with them. Get out of that church. 
because that spirit there will encourage people to kill themselves. That's well, crazy. It's probably one of those churches that believes that depression is a disease, not a de- not a demon. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I uh, knew this one girl, and her mom committed suicide. When I knew her when we were younger and everything mm-hmm. like that, and I, I I told my sister, I says, hey, it's a murder is murder any way you look at it. It's like that's if you right. don't ask forgiveness before, you know, it's too late. Then I'm sorry, but that's. That's what the Bible says. You That's know? why we have to come to the reality that we are the temple of the living God, all of us. We are made that way, body, soul, and spirit. You know, outer court, inner court, most holy place. The reason is, is because it's not yours to give. Right. Like Paul said, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So who are you to say, well, I'm cashing in my ticket and I'm just going to end it. It's not yours to give. It's not yours to take away. So we have to understand that our bodies are temples of God. And we have to, you know, carry them in such in such a way. Right. Like it's a precious gift. Uh, 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which were that that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent uh, them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend. Uh, from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first he keeps saying in Christ you know some people think this is going to occur no matter what then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord Uh, wherefore comfort one another with these words so, you know, Paul was telling the Thessalonians the same thing. That, hey, all that I just told you from verses 1, 2, and 3, this is the reward in 4 that we need, you know, to believe, to stay on the path. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to add anything? If not, we'll go to uh, chapter 5. Interesting what I said about, you know, this is, this is your comfort, knowing that, you know, having faith is your comfort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why we can have so much peace. I'm telling you, you'll find people that are like, their lives are falling apart, but we got reservations. That's the awesome thing about, you know, being a Christian. The Lord doesn't just leave you in hope. Like, you know, we read about Muhammad, doesn't even know where people are going. But he's sitting there telling you the way. And then he says before he does, I'm not even sure what's going to happen to you. But, uh, you know, I believe. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. And this is who people are, are following in faith. Wait, Jesus is not only telling you about two places you can go, but he's telling you about the Father and the angels in heaven and how it's going to be when we rejoice together, the place that you're going to live in. He's telling you all these things. And that's why, I mean, even what we can expect in the future. So he gives you that assurance by being able to explain the supernatural. Yep. See, only a real guy can do that. He can tell you about what's coming. Because he sees both sides of things. He's not caught in time and space. That's how you know that the word of God is real because there's nothing else that compares to this. You go to Buddhism, they'll tell you about reincarnation and all that stuff. No one has ever observed that. And they're real short on it. Oh, you came back as a dung beetle. Oh, so you've seen the transformation. You know for a fact that this is so. But the Lord gives you in detail. You're going to be like this. You're going to be with me. You're going to have your glorified body. You know, so it's just awesome to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Okay, it's good. We're not going to be done here. Yeah, exactly.
exactly. <laughs> I mean, but people actually believe this nonsense. That's what's so crazy. Right. A dung beetle. <laughs> I think the Lord's got nothing else better to do but give you that. Now, what's that supposed to teach you? First Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall, for when they shall say, Peace and safety, uh, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, and uh, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So it's funny how he mentioned that, but he's talking about this in five. This is none other than a new world order when he said peace and safety. They'll uh-huh. think that they've achieved their, their mission. And here he comes like Daniel's image. Remember the revised Roman Empire? Here comes that rock, you know, to destroy the whole image. Yep. So, um, yeah, uh, verse four. But ye brethren are not in darkness uh, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not oh, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So we're supposed to know what times we're in. But you know, he's saying here that, you know, it's good to be awake, it's good to know these things. When he uses uh the uh what would that be like an allegory of um the thief in the night? You know what? That's a good thing. That's good. And you know, some people don't think, well, you're not supposed to fear God. I think that's good fear to know that the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Why? So you can stay on point. What good is it? Oh, I'm coming back soon. Don't worry. And you know what you'll do? Not worry. You'll get careless. You'll do what you want to do. You won't even think of consequences. It's good to be afraid to know, hey, the Lord can come back at any time. He can shut the door on you at any time. You got to live right. You got to do what's right. Hey, you can go to hell at the end of time. I mean, and some people, oh, that's not very loving. To me, it is. He's telling you how to stay out of trouble. You want to say, yeah, you know what? The Lord is watching me all the time. Let me do right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But some people would say, that's cruel. Why do you want to talk about this stuff? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is what we need to know. Because I can tell you now, everybody I know that totally believes in the rapture, they are also people that are not doing anything. They are not even doing the will of the Lord that believes in this. I've, I've seen, I know a lot of people like that. You'll ask them, well, what are you doing for the Lord? Well, we're getting raptured out of here. So it's like, okay, you just want to do that. You're just waiting to leave. And to me, it sends a person with the wrong idea of, I don't have anything to worry about. You don't in Christ but he's saying you shall receive tribulation. And some people just want to get to it. We want to get through it. This is what stopped the children of Israel when they were crossing the Jordan River. They saw the giants. They wanted the Lord. They wanted to tell the Lord, okay, we'll stay here. You go handle that for us, and we'll come over when everything is, is fine. But you read in Judges 3, verse 1, the Lord said he took them through the wilderness that I may teach these people to war. Why? Because he knew eventually they were going to have to. Yes, the Lord is in control of things, but he's telling you how to deal with demons, how to deal with all this stuff. Why? This is what's going to keep you going. He's teaching you how to fish. He's not just fishing for you and giving you the food. Let me show you how to do this. 
like Jesus with the disciples. Let me show you what to, what you need to do. Right. You wouldn't need armor if it wasn't at, if we you know weren't at war. So you know he said that he may teach them how to war. That each time the devil knocks us down, we get back up tougher. You know, each time he tries to, to put us under and we raise back up, the Lord raises us back up. All right, I'm not falling for that trick. Okay, Satan, what else have you got? Because you're not stopping me from getting into the promise. So it gives you resilience. That type of perseverance is what carries you through. Yep. But not in your effort, but in the, in the Lord. Exactly. In the Lord's power, but he needs a body. Okay, I said all that to say what? Where am I? Uh, verse 8. No, verse 7. Yeah. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet and hope of salvation. I mean, the hope of salvation. So you got to have this helmet on. That is your hope. If your helmet can get knocked off, then there's a chance that you won't believe. There's nothing to protect your mind. I mean, can you imagine? Remember what Alice Bailey said? This thing will be fought in the world of thought. So if they're attacking your thoughts, I mean, the only thing that's going to keep them from being penetrated is this helmet of salvation and that shield of faith. Yep. Okay, he said breastplate of faith. It's the same thing to me. As long as you have one of the two or both, you're good to go. Exactly. Uh, nine. Uh, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake up, that we awake or sleep, uh, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are... Uh, over you in the Lord and admonish you uh, and to esteem esteem them very highly in love uh, for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Admonish is like warn. You know, so this is all talking about warning, warning, warning. You know, the weak. That's what admonish means. But, you know, he's saying to warn the people. This is important. Verse 15. See that under render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Now remember what they talked about in the parable. You know how. Of, of the sower. How some things would choke up the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know the, like things of the world. Yeah. He's saying quench not the spirit. How do you do that? Walk in the spirit. Forsake the world. Uh, 20. Despise not prophesy, uh, prophesying. Yeah prophesying. Uh, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, uh, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us 
greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord uh, that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Interesting point. You know, he's saying abstain from evil, quench not the spirit, prove all things, you know, all this stuff. But then he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. So he's telling you what to do. But then look at 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So what is he saying? Like, meet me halfway. Mm -hmm. Give me a body. It's like the children of Israel. Cross the Jordan River. I'm going to hold up my end of the deal. Right. You strive. You stay on the goal. I've got this covered. But the Lord is not saying, you know, you sit there and do nothing, and I'll take care of everything. He did that when he freed them from, the, you know, um, Egypt. That's the same way he did with us when he freed us from the world. We didn't know how we ended up outside of this. The Lord just stepped in. All of a sudden, you received the truth. You believed. You knew that you couldn't live the way that you lived before. He got you out of there. So the children of Israel, he opened the Red Sea for them. He brought them into the wilderness. He brought them through the wilderness. But now he's saying, you want to get into the promise? Cross that Jordan River and believe that I'm going to be there with you. And they couldn't do it. They wanted a free ride. He needed them to do it. I need you to believe. I know what my promises are, but you have to come with me. Yep. I can't just go now. So the wilderness was to show them. I think the wilderness is at best church. You come out of the world, you go into religion, church or whatever. The Lord is kind of, you know, working you through that. This is why we sit in church. We learn what we need to learn. You know, you get the sincere milk. You understand, but it's all growth. Then you're supposed to graduate to, to be the body of Christ, but to do the will of the Lord, like the disciples. They were with Jesus in everything they did. He left. Then he gave them the promise of the Holy Ghost in Acts, the second chapter. They received it, and instantly they went right out speaking in other tongues. Peter won 3,000 souls with his sermon alone. But, you know, this is why, you know, they weren't with Jesus anymore. He gave them the filling of the Spirit. The Lord wanted them to go into the to, to the promise, and he was going to fill them. He wasn't telling them to go there to die. I'm going to fight this battle for you. Just believe in me. Right. So this is something as Christians that we need to do. When the Lord calls us to step out there and do things, believe in me. I've taken you this far. I'm not going to let you go now. But, you know, Satan put those giants there. Why? Because there were some that were still carnally minded, still had a lot of Egypt in them. They said, man, we can't do this. I'd rather go back and be a slave. So our minds have to get into God's mind. Mm -hmm. We need the mind of Christ. It's the only way to do this. I have two questions. Yeah. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Mm -hmm. What do you think that's referring to, really? Well, I mean, anything that could look evil, like, I guess, evil deeds, you know, but the appearance, if something looks evil, we stay away from it. I mean, that's my guess. With it, what do you think? I was wondering about like apparel, like people's clothing choices. That could be it too. Because there are, you know, people that claim to be Christian that wear things that you would think they shouldn't wear. Right, <laughs> it's true. It's true, though. But I so, think it's I think it's broad. Like it talks about a lot of those things. Abstain from the appearance of evil. I mean, even um, I guess you know, doing dirty deeds too. 
looking dirty and, and even, you know, I mean, you can tell when someone's up to no good if you're sneaking people off in the corner working muddy. I mean, it's kind of That's like works true. in darkness. Yeah. Like, okay, I know he's a Christian, but what's he doing over here? It doesn't look right, right. <laughs> you know. So it's kind of that's my guess, you know, that, that I'm thinking. Sense. Yeah. And then there was another one that stood out. Oh, where is it? Oh, the holy kiss. Oh yeah, I myself even wondered about that. I mean, I think it was um, back then there was a greeting that they would. Greet each other with like some cheek to cheek. Cheek to cheek. That could be where like the Romans picked it up, maybe. You know, like with the kiss, the like the cheek kiss or whatever. I mean, I'm guessing. The Romanians do it, and the French do it. Um, Spanish also. Yeah. yeah. Some cultures do that. They'll kiss each other on the cheek, both sides. But they're not really kissing on the cheek. They're going cheek to cheek, and they're making the sound of a kiss. I mean, am I right or am I wrong? Yeah. It's in Romania or or France. It's it's. Yeah, you get a kiss on the cheek. Oh, okay. And, and, and men actually do that. It's, you know, right. Because I've seen people do it. They don't that bother way. anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not thinking anything so of it. that's probably where it came from, the holy kiss. Possibly because, you know. That's where they kiss in their cultures because mm -hmm. they used to be Christian. So, <laughs> so you pretty much do it to somebody that you already know and you have respect for. Like, for, like when, when, when Jesus was... You know, betrayed in the garden by the holy, you know, by by a kiss. On he the, kissed him right? on the lips. Was on the lips. Yeah, Judas cheek? kissed him on the lips. Oh. That was like a kiss of death. Oh yeah. That was on the cheek. Nah, it's on the lips. Oh. He said, "Hell, Rabbi, whatever." Kissed him on the lips. Hmm. I mean, that was kind of like a kiss of death. And I mean, I've even um, even in that movie Alexander. I mean, not a godly movie by any means, but. When Alexander's father was killed, he was kissed on the lips and then stabbed. Oh, wow. You know, so it's kind of like a kiss of death. I, I don't know if the Romans used to do that, but... It almost sounds in reverse. Because if you think about it, okay, if you kiss, <clears throat> if you kiss somebody on the cheek and it's just a friendly greeting or whatever, it means nothing. But Can anybody find that scripture too? Because I want to be right. I don't want to be sitting here and... Um, but Judas kissed him on the lips. I don't have my phone with me. But, but if you think about, Lord, you know what I'm saying, but if two men kiss each other, and I'm not saying, I'm saying Judas kissed him. Mm -hmm. It's an abomination. So it's almost like it, you know, that kiss of death is your sign of going to the resemble side. that, yeah. But I know, I, I, rem I believe it said he kissed him on the lips. I mean, I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong with that. But I know, yeah, in a lot of cultures, you even see mafiosi do that. Where they'll, you know, hey, you know, they, you know, but they're not kissing one another on the lips. It's like the, you know, I don't know. Maybe some do, some don't. Maybe it depends on how close you are to someone. I don't <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying that, I you know. I accident with the grandma, as you know, as a so we, we went for the, the side of the, the, you know, to do it on the, on the cheek, but right. I went for the same side. She went, and she's like, oh. It's <laughs> funny. Is that a wedding? My friend's wedding. Oh, man. That's funny. But I, guess. I thought on the cheek, because I never heard of men kissing on the lips like that. Before. Yeah, I think that, I think it's say he kissed him on the lips. Hmm. It's got to be like Matthew 26 or something like that. Yeah. All right. 
I think he just said he kissed him. Mm. I don't think it was specific. I think even in the movie he kissed him on the lips. But, you know, who can tell with Hollywood today? They right. probably will say that just to say oh, something didn't happen. Okay. Uh, Jesus betrayal and the rest. Verse, so this is Matthew 26, 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him a, came, and came with him a great multitude with swords and staffs <clears throat> from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. That's all it said. I mean, there's got to be other versions of that, too, like John and others. Right. Probably. But, uh, no. I don't know. Matthew, it, it said he just kissed him and specified uh, I think there's another one somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, we'll get back to it there. Let me see. Um, yeah, so this is Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, may as well say Paul, Silas, and Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians in God, uh, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always uh, for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one uh, of you all toward each other aboundeth. So they're growing. Paul went to check on them again. You know, they're all getting it together. They're getting stronger in the Lord. Verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So what's making them stronger, you know, in their faith? They're becoming battle-tested. They're getting strong. They're learning how to deal with this stuff. Uh, five. And you know what? The more battles you have for the Lord, you do become battle-tested. You do have more faith. Right. Like, man, the Lord took me through this. He's going to take me through this again. You know, or through something else. But this time, you're not wondering how it's going to come. You know the outcome is going to result in the Lord winning this. Yeah. So that improves your faith. Exactly. But, which is a manifest token of the righteous uh, judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a, right, a righteous thing of God uh, to recompense tribulation, to them that trouble you. I mean, yeah, he's talking about suffer. I mean, it's it's kind of like your badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Quick point. I just looked up, I just recognized. He says in eight, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that one group, and that obey uh, not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't know God, you can't obey. So these are two different groups. This is a group that's not obeying, but then there's one that doesn't know God. So this is the believer and the so-called believer. 
You know, that's that's interesting. Yeah. You know, continue in ten, verse ten. Uh, when when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always uh, for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So what is that? Your sanctification. This is your growth. This is where you're changing into the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. Not only are you doing it with faith, you're doing it with power, with goodness. You know, fulfill the good the good pleasure. I mean, well, it's the pleasure of his goodness. Now, how do you get that? You got to have the mind of Christ. Your, Christ. your mind has to be more like Christ till you know what he wants. So you're just like him. You know, he can trust you. Not that you are him, you know, being right. like him. Uh, Twelve, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul must be getting to the meat here, too, because notice how Second Thessalonians 2, he really starts to dive deep. You notice in the beginning, you'll have tribulation, you'll deal with this, you deal with that, love one another, show this, show that. So he's giving them a steady diet of milk. But then in 4, or 1 Thessalonians 4, now we can talk about the resurrection. Why? They're becoming more spiritually minded. You know, then he goes in the five, body, soul, and spirit. You know, this is the sanctification process. Now you go to 1 Thessalonians 1, yeah, tribulation, whatever, sanctification. Then you go to 2 Thessalonians 2. This is when he starts getting deep into what we can really expect. Yeah. So he's doing it right. Unlike me, I threw people in the fire and, you know, I guess I can learn a lot from Paul, you know, the word of God, but... <laughs> But so yeah. this is the second time when he went to right. Thessalonians? He came back to check on them, but this time he's going to give them the goods. But you have to realize why he is, because they've already been tested. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Great point. Great point. They have been in battles. They've dealt with everything. So he says, you're growing exceedingly. Now I'm going to really tell you what to look forward to, exactly. you know? Exactly. So, yeah. If we start off this way with a baby, they're not going to get it. That's true. That's true. That's one of the things with me. I have to admit that I can be flawed because I recognize that, okay, we're in this time. If I'm going to speak to you for the last time, and I don't know when that time is. You know, I could be overreacting. But if you're looking at these things upon us and you're watching the news and Paul's talking about being sober and serious and watchful, it's kind of like if I have one last thing to tell somebody, Hey, believe in the Lord. This stuff's going down. This is getting ready to happen. You know, trust in him because this is what you can expect. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I probably scared some people, you know, but I'll tell you what, for everyone that we talked about in that Revelation series, with the exception of Tina, they're all still in contact with me, still asking questions, even when they can't make it, you know, to study, they still believe. But we probably could have had 10, 15 times that amount, you know, considering how that went. But, yeah, you know, I, I did it wrong backwards. I felt like, well, I'm going to tell you this. And if you're still here to stick around, then we can tell you how to deal with it. <laughs> you <laughs> know, right. Now we're going to get strong. Right. And then you say, I'll give you some milk to wash it down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, and if you're still around now, then I know you're serious. But 
No, Paul has the wiser way in handling it for sure. You know, that's what Paul said about the milk and meat. So I can admit that because I know it's true. You guys have all witnessed it. What am I going to deny it? Yeah, that doesn't sound like anybody we know. Let's go to First Thessalonians. You know, no, I got to be realistic. You're out throwing cows to people. Yeah, pretty much. Here's Betsy. Some people need. Some people need to be thrown into the fire. Some people, that's the only way they will come. And I'm not saying that you don't give people milk. Of course you do. But with some people, you got to just give them the straight gospel. Yeah, because they laugh at the sincere milk. I know people like that, some atheists. But then when they start linking things to the New World Order, now they got some questions for you. Yeah. You know know who those people are? The people who won't need the steak because they once had the milk. They Mm -hmm. don't know nothing. That's true. Yeah. So you're dealing with people that have half knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to throw a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you think you know, huh? All right, let's see this, you know. But I think it is important to give milk, you know, and then meat. I think that is the right way. That's how I started with the Sunday group, you right. know, or whatever, the milk, then the meat. But um, I think it was because for me that around the time I met everybody, you guys were already talking giants and New World Order and all that stuff. So I was under the impression we may as well get down to business, you know, or whatever. But y'all were already talking fallen angels and the mark of the beast and all this stuff. So I was just thinking like, well, and I think that some people that were sitting around that had not heard of it, they were in the middle getting hit because, you know, they were like in the midst of the conversation. But I, I really thought that everybody was... Oh, you guys are talking Mark of the Beast. You got churches not even talking about that. So I, I, I thought everyone was ready. You know, like, hey, yeah, let's jump right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought they were all ready, too. Yeah, remember, Ed brought all that stuff, you know, and Karen would always text me and tell me stuff. Dan know, you know, about the Mark of the Beast for a long time and other things. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, hey, I'm into that, too. Let's go. You know, and... <laughs> I can do things a little better. That's all I say. I can be better. I can always, you know, we can always improve in this. That's right. Well, I think it's just different people reach different people. That's why there's the body. Mm-hmm. Like the the hand is not going to speak to the toe. Right. But the toe is going to speak to the toe next to it. Right. Because they relate. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's, we're the body and we have different messages for different parts of the body because different parts of the body have different assignments and different assignments. I was just talking about that on the way here with Sarah. Yeah. So much of certain... I don't know how to explain it. Like they can, I think Jesus also explains it best, too. Um, I agree with what you're saying because the body is, you know, you have the pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. They're all going to do their part. There are some that are going to teach one way. There's others that are going to teach another way. So I agree. But I think Jesus explains it best when he talks about the sower. You know, how some received it with joy. Some did this. Some did that. And, you know, like I said Sunday, that the church itself is is very lean. I don't think it's the the thing that we really think it is. I think the real church, man, you're going to be surrounded by some mature Christians. You know, that are just going to be, hey, let's go. You know, they're not going to have that. Look at Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300. There's always going to be a small percentage of those that are going to cross. Mm-hmm. You know, cross that. Everyone's not going to cross that Jordan River. And that's something I realized. But I do think that I could have helped others, you know, want to go that way 
if my approach was somewhat different. But I always tell people, if you can't get it here, then by all means, go somewhere you can get it, you know? So I'm not going to, you know, feel like I failed. I mean, there are some people that are better, right? But there are some people that are, like you said, that are better with certain things. You know, I teach more milk or this one teaches meat. So yeah, it is good. I agree. <laughs> All right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be soon not shaken, well, not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, uh, that uh, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So he's saying, don't be shaken. You know, now he's getting ready to deliver the rough stuff. Right. Uh, three, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That falling away, the word in the Greek is apostasia. That means, you know, apostasy. You're going to see the church start to fall apart. They're going to get smaller. Or you're going to see people going in large masses to false doctrine. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, shall not come. Oh, let me read it again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except their coming falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, son of destruction, Antichrist, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself uh, that he is God. And I believe, you know, several things on this. I believe wholeheartedly, maybe a temple, you know, built in the future. But I believe he's talking about this temple here, like we did in the last day's teaching, that abomination. When the devil actually, he's already reforming the image of God. People covered him from head to toe in tattoos and you know, you got your ears, you know, blown out. And I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, man, he's already destroying God's image. So I think that when the Antichrist sits in the temple and declares himself to be God, I mean, you're going to find a lot of people themselves saying already, I am God. I don't think that's the only meaning. I'm just saying that this is, I think, one of them. I think this has multiple meanings. It's very broad. You know, because the biggest abomination is those that say that they are God. Yeah. Then you know Satan lives in you for real. He said, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And this is what really playing out here at the end. Okay, uh, five. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth uh, that he might be revealed in his time. So see, it does Christians no good to do nothing. Because the more we strive with bringing forth the truth and winning souls, the longer it delays this guy from coming forward. Because when the church gives up as a whole, you know, or people start to really, I mean, we're already losing the war to some degree as far as numbers. Yeah. I mean, as far as prophecy, then we know that we're going right in accordance with it. But, you know, the more we win, the more we fight these churches and, you know, bring people to the truth, the less likely he is to come forward. But a great falling away means that, man, you're going to see people leave in mass. And there's going to be small numbers. And then he says, okay, I've got the upper hand now. Now I can come on the scene. There's no Holy Ghost anywhere. There's no gifts of the Spirit anywhere to fight me. Now I can come with a disarmed, 
blind church that's asleep. And now I can walk in and do what I want. Yep. See, the Antichrist knows it's too dangerous right now. He knows right now if I step on the scene, I'm going to meet an opposition like you wouldn't believe. So once the world is turned, once the false prophet turns the world to me, now I can come out as the champion for, for all man, you know, humanity. Right. Because they, they're waiting for me. They believe in me. You know, so that's what Joe Osteen and these guys are doing. They're rolling out the red carpet. They're getting everything set up for this Antichrist. And I believe Pope Francis, I don't know if he's the Antichrist, but I'll say this. You know, he's saying everything that's bringing the world together. You know, he's for homosexuality. You know, he believes in abortion. He's actually the first pope to say this. Because popes in times past, one thing I can say about the Catholic Church, I may disagree with their doctrine. But they have stood up more for abortion than you find a lot of Christians do in churches. They actually speak against it. And that's one thing I can give them credit for. They, I mean, you, you go in front of any abortion clinic, well, before Francis, but you would always find the Catholics out there with the rosary beads speaking against it. Always telling people, don't do this. No, no, no. But where are the Christians? You know, a lot of Christians have fallen apart. But now that Pope Francis said this, man, you got everybody, all the Catholics are, hey, you know, what he says goes because he's the vicar of Christ, they claim. So it's kind of like hearing from Jesus himself if, if he's saying this stuff. So, I mean, you know, this is where things are really starting to fall down. Okay. Um, or seven. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is still holding things back. You know, still trying to give people a chance. But when the Lord, when God tells him, you know, he's told, hey, back off. They don't want me. Then you're going to see really things really get crazy. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, he who, um, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, capital W, meaning a man, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Even him uh, whose coming is after the workings of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now look at this. This is another thing against the tribulation. I mean, against the uh, rapture. Even him. Now we just described Jesus. Who's coming. Or, or Well, no, not Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. The Antichrist. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So these things have to happen in order for Jesus. Who is Jesus going to come back to destroy if the Antichrist is not here yet? Yep. If he's on the scene, then obviously there's something that has to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm even more with the mid-trib guys than I am for the, for the pre-trib. I mean, mid-trib, they want to make an argument. In some ways, there's somewhat, I can make an argument for that. Because of the fact that you know that there has to be people here when the Lord comes. If everyone was destroyed, then the Lord would have no one to come back for. Right. So there's got to be people here. But either way, it's his second coming. You know, so he's coming to stop something. And that doesn't mean that everybody's getting out of here. It just means he's going to stop it at the time when the Antichrist feels like I've got it made. Right. You know, like, all right, I'm just about to get rid of the last, you know, people and then the lord comes and stops it all so i'm for either post-trib 
I mean, I don't like to call it a rapture, it's the resurrection. The Lord's calling everybody up. Yep. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those that are alive are going to meet with him in the, in the clouds. Mm -hmm. If you want to say mid-trib, I can somewhat agree with that because a full tribulation would mean, well, I mean, it is a time period. But let's just say if it were full, nobody would be here for the Lord to save. Now, you know that he has to save the children of Israel. Some of them will survive in order to bring forth his will. So I'm not speaking for the rapture by any means. I'm just saying that there has to be something at the end of that period. And I guess you can say the end of the period, there'll be people here. So that makes sense. But I'm not going to say pre-trip. There's nothing in scripture that supports this. And if that was such an important moment, then you would at least think it would be written here. It would say the time of the rapture where everybody goes up. You know, it would make sense. You shouldn't have to, oh, I'm going to find a piece here, and then I'm going to look for a piece over here. And then if you put them together, it says pre-trip. No, the Lord is not the author of confusion. Good, sir. It, the pre-trip rapture goes against what Christ said. No, you know, only God the Father knows when When Christ, that time is. Yeah. Right. So the pre-trip goes against that. Because Jesus says if he did not come in the time he did, that no flesh should be saved. So he said for the elect's sake that those days will be shortened. Uh -huh. So there are going to be people here. There are going to be people alive. Satan's not going to get everybody, but there is no pre-trib rapture. Right. That, that, that's ridiculous. Well, there's going to be that three and a half year, you know, so it's 3.5 and then 3.5 after. Right. The so 3.5 are going to be the piece. I think it's more mid. I mean, it's got to be somewhere in the middle, not the beginning or not, not at the end. Right, because there's 3.5 unless the tribulation doesn't cover everything. Then I can see that being mid. Like, if there are seven years of tribulation, which I believe because, you know, three and a half years of peace, the other three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to do his thing. But, you know, I do believe at whatever period the Lord stops it, mm -hmm. that could be like somewhat mid-trib or it's the end of the trib. Now the Lord is going to just do what he has to do. So I can understand the argument for the mid-trib is what I'm saying. I can totally understand it, but it's whatever period the Lord decides to say, no more tribulation, I'm here. Mm, you I know? it's because there's tribulation and then there's the great tribulation. So people automatically assume that there's three and a half years of tribulation and mm -hmm. three and a half years of the great tribulation. But who's to say that the great tribulation is one day? Because it says Jesus comes well, at the last trump. Yeah, but the great tribulation is going to be, I think, the reign of the Antichrist, which in Revelation does say uh, 42 months. Oh. A time, times, and, a, and dividing of time. So three and a half years. So there is going to be a period there for that. Mm -hmm. But um, he is going to reign. And the Bible says he's going to wear out the saints of the Most High. You know, that we can't stop this guy. All right? But what he's going to do, it's going to take one champion to deal with another champion, all right? He's he's above our pay grade. Not that we won't still be doing the works of the Lord here, because we're going to perform miracles, and I still believe that. I believe that them that know their God, they're going to be strong and do exploits. So I believe that those who do survive are going to be full of the Lord. I mean, I think they are going to, hey, they're going to do some stuff here. Yeah. So I believe that part, you know, but, you know, I look at Peter and I look at the other guys. They had their time. They went. But I do believe that um, we are going to suffer tribulation. You know, the great tribulation, I do believe he's going to come on us for real. And, you know, the Lord may have to have us flee. The Lord may have to have us win souls. 
We're going to do different things for the Lord, you know. But either way, we're in. You know, you survive that tribulation doing the Lord's will, you're in. You know, no matter what, if you hang to your faith, you're in. So Paul is even saying here in many ways in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, dead or alive doesn't matter to a Christian because you live to live again. Right. You know, so I, I'm not speaking, you know, for the rapture, but I do believe if someone wants to say mid-trib, okay, depending on how you word that, I can go with that. Okay, because the Lord is coming to save somebody. He says that there will be flesh that is left alive. So I'm for that, you know, but to just say, no, we're going to get out of here and there's going to be no problem. Nah, I, I can't believe that. Because how do we sit up with Peter and all the others, you know, and these guys have resumes and we're sitting here like, you know, uh, man, I made it. But uh, what's for dinner, y'all? You know, what's going on? They're going to look at you like, who are you? We don't even know you. There's no record of you being here. You know? Somebody says that there's a, there's a pan trip. Everything just kind of pans on in the end anyway. Right. right. Like, either way, I want to be ready. Right. <laughs> no matter what comes. Oh, yeah. Where am I? Okay, um, 10. And with all deceivableness uh, of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Uh, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You see, so some people can't imagine the Lord doing this, but the Lord is like, you want a pre-trib rapture? Go ahead and wait on it. I didn't tell you about that, but if this is what you want to believe, then go for it. If you want to believe in Buddhism, if you want to believe in Hinduism, if you want to believe in reincarnation, all this stuff that got nothing to do with the truth, by all means, do so. Yep. Oh, there are many ways to heaven? The Lord said, well, since I've tried to bring you to the truth and you want to believe that, go right ahead. But this comes at a time period. He's not doing that now. Right. But I do believe there are some people, if you want to believe in evolution, you are welcome to do so. I've tried to convince you. I'm not pushing that on you anymore. You know, so I think he said he's going to send them strong delusion. Twelve that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness but we are but we are bound to give thanks always to God for, for you brethren beloved of the lord because god hath uh, from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and believe of the truth so we have to have sound doctrine believe in the truth we have to have sanctification and we have to have this. We have to believe in our salvation. Those things are necessary. You can't have your salvation and be sanctified and you don't believe the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> that goes against what it's all about. How is the Holy Ghost going to work with you when you believe there are many ways to heaven? I mean, I don't understand that. So you have to go through this process of fourteen, and well, He'll lead you through the process fourteen. Uh, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by or our epistle. See, hold the traditions. You got to hang on to it. 16. Now our uh, Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which have loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your your hearts 
uh, and establish you in every good work uh, and work. So he's telling you to work and good work. Now he's saying comfort your hearts. He just laid out a mouthful about the Antichrist and he's saying comfort your hearts. So, you know, I, I just believe that it's going to get rough for us, but if Jesus can do it and he's the forerunner, we can do it too. Not by our might, not by our strength, but by his spirit. That's, true. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're going to be like Christ, Christians or Christ-like, then we have to be like Christ. That's why they called him that. The disciples reminded them of Christ. Right. And look at these little Christlings. You know, these little Christians. <laughs> Little Christ juniors. You know, that's pretty much what it was like. Uh, three. This is the final uh, chapter. We can end it. This is pretty short. Finally, brethren, uh, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men uh, for all men uh, have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do uh, and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. For we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. He's talking separation. And not after tr the tradition which he received of us. So anyone that's not, you know, following the truth, Paul's saying separate. You know, he said that in Corinthians. Be ye separate. Do not walk, be not be unequal with unbelievers. Yep. You know, uh, seven. For yourselves know uh, how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread uh, for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable of any of you. So they labored. They weren't taking things from people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, nine. Not because we have not power but to make ourselves an example, which is example, unto you to follow us. So this is why they're doing this, to be a follower. If we're trying to get out of here tomorrow morning, then I mean, that's not being a follower of what the disciples had done, who they followed was Christ. Mm -hmm. And some people think it's wrong to have um, an apostle have disciples or disciples upon disciples. You know, if we get further in this, we should all have disciples. You know, there should be, you know, women following you guys, you know, like with, with what you guys know. It's okay to lead women to the truth in Christ. Now, they're disciples. It doesn't mean that you're Lord over them, but they're disciples. Right. You know, we should eventually have people, if once we're like the image of Christ, we should be cookie cutting. You know, let the Holy Ghost cookie cut. You know, right doctrine, everything that we need, following Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul had disciples, Timothy and Silas. The disciples had disciples. Mm -hmm. And their disciples had disciples. Right. John the Baptist had disciples. Anyway, key word, disciples. Let's go to, um, what is it, 10? Yeah. Uh, for even when we were with you, uh, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 
For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. You see, when I said uh, Sunday, I used to make fun of a lot of pastors talking about what they needed to do until I got in this thing. Then it's like, you know what? I'm too busy to even worry about what someone else is doing. Right. I don't have time to, to go into all of that about what he should be doing. What should I be doing? So the people that are busybodies are people that don't do. That's why they can give you the lowdown on who's doing what. Because if you're busy, then you're not worrying about what someone else is doing. Exactly. The busier you get in the Lord, the more responsibility. You don't care what anyone else is doing. You know, because those same busybodies, you should do this. My question is then, if you disagree with me, then why don't you do the job better? But see, that's when they, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, they back out of it quick. Why? Because now you have to show something. Right. <laughs> uh, Twelve. Now, them that are such, uh, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. I love this right here. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word uh, by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. So, you know, we pat too many people on the back for wrongdoing. You know, if, if a person chooses not to do right, then we're not supposed to champion him like he's doing. Oh, you'll eventually get it. You know, maybe they don't want to get it. Maybe their goal is to turn you to a lie instead of bringing you to truth. Yeah. Or you bringing them to truth. And there's nothing wrong with encouragement, because I'm sure I'll get some emails about that. There's nothing wrong with encouragement, but it's the thing about just trying to bring people to the truth. Right. And if you choose not to go, then I can't be with you. It's that simple. Remember the five foolish virgins? You know, oh, give me some oil. Hey, I only got enough for me. I can't help you out here. Right. This is all it's saying. Okay, uh, 15. Uh, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So we're supposed to be correcting, you know, um, warning. Hey, man, you do what you got to do. I can't hang out with you, but you need to get this right because of why? Because of this, you know? And I like how he just says, be not weary in well-doing. It gets tough sometimes because you don't see results. You don't see certain things happening. You can get a little down. But he's saying, man, don't be wary. The reward is in heaven. Just keep doing what I'm telling you. Tarry until. Uh, 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, you know, that's pretty much the lesson, but, I mean, you always hear about the tribulation. There's going to be tribulation. As Christians, man, expect it. That's your badge of honor. Right. But the Lord is going to take you through it. Let's not be like the children of Israel that were in the wilderness that did not want to go into the promise. This is too good a promise to miss out. Mm -hmm. Let the Lord lead us. Have faith. Don't be like those carcasses that fell in the wilderness because they didn't want to go. You know, matter of fact, let's go ahead real quick. Sorry, guys. One quick thing. It's uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 3. One quick point, because I want to make this clear for some listeners, too. 
People may not know what I'm talking about. Uh, Hebrews 3 and yeah um, Hebrews chapter 3 we'll start at verse 8 I'm just going to read straight through harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works 40 years wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err, like they always err, in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So an evil heart is unbelieving. Mm -hmm. You know, an unbelieving heart is an evil heart. Uh, Thirteen. But exhort one another daily uh, while, it, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While, in, while it is said today, if ye will hear the, his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years. Uh, was it not with them uh, that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they... So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So that's something as a believer you don't want to do. Right. You want to follow the Lord no matter how rough your road gets, no matter what you have to deal with. You got to have faith in him no matter what's coming. Let's not believe things that the Bible doesn't say for the sake of fear. Let us believe God no matter what. Remember what Paul told him in Ephesus? You know, he said... Um, you better stay on this ship. And they said, why? Because I believe God. You have got to believe the Lord, no matter what it is. I don't care what. I mean, these last couple of years for me have been a real test of faith. And I'll tell you what, I've been firing that faith every chance I get. And it's like, man, it does not miss. No matter what, that faith, man, is a weapon like you wouldn't believe. Make it come to life in your world. Believe God, no matter what goes on. With no doubt, no fear. Why? He's never failed you. And we've got to get that in our minds. There are no circumstances. There's no government. There's no religion. There's no disease. There's no pestilence. You know, there's no weapon formed against us will prosper. You know, we will have that power if we have the faith. And we've got to go through with it that way. Sorry to get excited. I'm just, no, I'm I'm, I'm just feeling <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> All right, I guess um, no one has any questions. We can pray out. That's here. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, humbled before you, thanking you for another day that you have given to us. Thanking you for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've given to us, blessed us with, and bestowed upon us. I want to thank you for your true and holy word and the ability that you've given us to understand it, Lord. 
but also through us seeking a relationship with you and you being able to share your secrets with us. Lord, I'm asking and praying tonight that you would help us all to have more of a wanting to seek that relationship with you, Lord. And I'm asking and praying tonight that you would be with this ministry, that you would bless it, Lord, but that you would build us up, that you would make us stronger, Lord, that you would give us an understanding of the times that we are living in, that whatever blinders that we have on our eyes is keeping us from seeing, that they, this, that they would be taken off. Lord, I'm also asking and praying that whatever idols that we have placed in front of you, whatever those idols may be, that they would be taken down, moved out of the way. Lord, so you could speak to us, so you can tell us where you want us to go, who you want us to talk to, who can we bring into the body of Christ, Lord. But I'm asking and praying tonight, Lord, that these things be real to us, that we're not bound in religion, that we're not bound in traditions, Lord that we take your word, that we compare our lives to the scripture, Lord, and that we change our lives to be molded and made by you so our lives can reflect the scriptures, Lord, so your light can shine through us as your word said it should be. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Lord, help us. Lord, if we're going to go out and if we're, we're going to go out and proclaim the gospel, let your Holy Spirit be in us, Lord, that we would be bold and be strong. I pray that we would be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh. Lord, and I pray that you would be with Martin and Laura, Eric and Holly, little Jackson, Jake, Mikkel, Andrew, Sue and her husband, uh, Karen and their mom, Dan and Tracy, Ed and his wife, Cammie and her husband and sister, so many others, Lord. Everyone who came to the conference, I pray that you would be with them as well, that you would touch their lives, change them, Lord. And I pray that they, if it be your will, that they can start coming to the Bible studies. Lord, I'm asking and praying that you would light a fire under this ministry like no other, that it will expand, that it will grow, that it will branch out, Lord. Let our faith, Lord, light on fire so it can be shown to others, Lord, so others can have your faith, Lord, so others can come to you, and others can believe, Lord, and that they will take these truths to others. Lord, I'm praying that there's anyone tonight, Lord, that needs deliverance, that you would touch their lives. If there's anyone that needs your hands of healing, that you would touch their lives. If there's any one of our families and friends that need to come out of religion, Lord, I pray that you would bring them out of that into a relationship with you. Lord, I'm praying that you would give us a real hunger and thirst for your word, Lord, that we would want to have that relationship with you because of the times that we are living in, Lord. We are living in the beginning of the last days. We don't know how much time we are given, Lord. And we cannot afford to play games with you. So I'm praying, Lord, that whatever things that we are going through in this life, that we will give them to you. Though that we will pray and fast for these things, that there's demonic presence within us, Lord. Whatever spirits of Antichrist, whatever things that are not of you, Lord, help us to give these things to you so we can be builded up in you. So the enemy has nothing in us, so he cannot use anything against us, Lord. So we can go out into this world and we can testify, proclaim the gospel to bring others to you. To not have fear of anything, Lord. So we won't fear loss of job, family, or friends, or persecution, whatever it is, Lord. We will have no fear, but we will have your Holy Spirit within us. I also ask and pray that you would be with Brian and Jessica, Lord. I pray that you would open up the schedule of work so he can start coming. Be with Chantel, Lord, that you would watch over her. 
Lord, continue to guide and direct and lead Derek, Lord, in these Bible studies. I pray that you would watch over us this evening, Lord. I pray that you would build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. That we would take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.